Welcome to the Only One Shot Golf Podcast. I'm Jim Gallagher, Jr. Special thanks to Steve Azar for allowing us to use his music. And you can find Steve at steveazar.com. Don't forget to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. Appreciate everybody uh, who's been following us, listening to us. Uh, the last year and a half has been a lot of fun doing these podcasts, and we appreciate uh, your support. Don't forget to get your copy of Only One Shot. That's available on Amazon, written by VJ Trolio, and get your copy today. Today we have Shauna Estes-Taylor, who has been a head coach at the University of Arkansas, the women's golf team, since 2007. She's the fourth women's golf coach in school history, and they've been a national power for the past 14 years. She's two-time SEC Coach of the Year. They won the SEC in 2018. She was an incredible player herself, played at Georgia, All-American there. And I uh, can't wait for y'all to get to know Shauna a little bit better. And uh, let's see if we can get a hold of Shauna. It's my pleasure to welcome University of Arkansas women's golf coach Shauna Taylor to the podcast. Shauna, thanks for spending so much time with us this morning, and I appreciate you being with us. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for asking me to be on. Well, I really appreciate you not giving me any more grief than you did, allowing me to walk on uh, uh, at the Blessings, your home golf course there, with my Tennessee bag uh, last week uh, when I was there for the tournament, the LPGA event. And appreciate you not giving me too much grief about the foot- our football team because yours is uh, having such a, a great season. We're still struggling. But uh, uh, thanks for being so kind in your hospitality. Hey, you're always welcome at our home. And, uh, you know, we're all family in the SEC, so I, I won't uh, give you too much crap for that. Well, I appreciate that, but, uh, you know, I like to ask my guests, you know, who got you started in golf and who were some of your big influence, uh, is, you know, early on in your, in your golfing career and, and when you got started playing. You know, growing up, I played a lot of sports. Um, you know, I played soccer, I swam, I, you know, played softball, played basketball. Um, I just loved all sports and, my dad uh, was, was a golfer. My mom would play a little bit, but my mom was an operating room nurse, so she was on call a lot on the weekend. So I'd have to go to the golf course with my dad, and um, at first I just wanted to drive the cart, and then it kind of turned into, you know, maybe I'll putt on a hole or two. And, and then from there I just started playing, playing a couple holes, and then it got to be nine holes, and then I'd play 18 holes with uh, my dad and his buddies. And when I started beating them, he quit, and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, that'd make me quit too if I got beat by my daughter so early. But uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, junior golf and, and, and what that was like for you playing junior tournaments and, and where you played and kind of what you went through uh, going through this process. Evolved into playing the AJGAs. And at that time, there was like, you know, only one a week. Now there's, you know, five or six a week. So highly competitive. Um, had a, a great junior golf career and was lucky enough to. Um, be recruited by a bunch of schools. And then I, I ended up and settled on the university of Georgia. And, you know, fortunately for me, my dad's a, was a school teacher. My mom was a nurse. So to be able to take that financial burden off of them by getting a scholarship to play college golf was a true blessing. And, um, you know, they had invested so much in my junior golf and the expense of all the travel and providing those opportunities. I was, uh, super lucky and blessed to be able to get that scholarship to play golf at Georgia. I started doing this, podcast trying to kind of get the advice out to some of the parents out there and you know when you decide you want your child to play some tournaments you got to come up with a budget because it can be expensive you can spend thousands of dollars and and if you don't have a budget uh, and, and you know parents don't have the money and, and, and like you said your parents didn't have quite the money I mean how do you you know what advice do you have for those parents out there 
They did, you know, and I, I, I've always felt bad. They, you know, probably ran up some credit card debt so I could chase my dream. And, um, you know, just the relief of getting it to, uh, to go to school for free was, was so great. And, you know, I know what we spend here at Arkansas recruiting in the summer. And I always say, I don't know how parents do it, you know, going to all these junior events all across the, the country and the world. Um, it, it racks up a lot of, you know, it, it takes a lot of money. You know, we're spending you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars recruiting, you know, our recruiting, you know, budget stuff. And it's, uh, it's expensive and it's kudos to the parents for their commitment to, you know, helping their young, young boys and young girls chase their dream. You know, for our parents and, and juniors, uh, listening out there, what kind of advice do you have for them? I mean, picking out tournaments, how many do they play? Uh, what's the best advice you could give them and kind of give them a guide to deciding, uh, how many do they play and how much, uh, that's so much how much they want to spend, but where to play and, and how many uh, to, to play. Yeah, you know, I think you, I always say competing is the greatest teacher. And whether it's, you know, at the, you know, like for us in the state of Arkansas, the ASGA events or, you know, but maybe saving up for some of the big ones, you know, trying to do the qualifiers. But, but definitely, you know, it's it's uh, it's expensive. And I think just making sure you're wise and can plot, you know, there's so many options now. So I think. You know, you talk about, you know, where we are, we can drive to Texas, we can drive to Oklahoma. So, you know, there are some reasonable ways to do it. And, um, you know, I would say budget for those big events like your U.S. juniors and those amazing opportunities that you create for them that are really special. And um, I know it's a financial, it can be tough, but um, I think if they work hard too, they can get some really amazing benefits with having an opportunity to play college golf as well. You said you went to the University of Georgia to play golf there, but what was that freshman year like for you? The big the transition from junior golf, getting away from home. Tell us about that first year and kind of the, you know, how you made that adjustment. I always say that's the toughest transition. It's you know the first time you're away from home, you're having to figure out how to do your own laundry and where am I going to get my meal from at the dining hall? How am I going to make time for it? And I was really lucky. I was a great time manager, so I knew that I wanted to play great golf and I knew that I struggled in school a little bit. So I knew I had to make, make a lot of time for studying. And, um, I transitioned, you know, I used our sports psychologist there, you know, a lot to help me just kind of mentally figure things out. And I had an amazing career at Georgia and it was probably, I always say college golf was the best four years of my life. And I was, uh, I was lucky to be on a great team that won three SEC championships. And I think we won something like 19 times while I was there. And it was just an incredible um, run of four years there where um, I was just really working towards trying to go from good to great. And I'd come off of a really good junior career and just wanted to leave my mark on, you know, the Georgia program and try and uh, help our team do the best that we could and try and win a national title. And, you know, we came up a little short, but we, we held a lot of trophies and it's absolutely uh, some of the best days of my life. You know, so many of us uh, have that dream of playing professional golf, and I'm sure you did as well. I know you did, uh, actually. But uh, when did that kind of start creeping into your mind and when you thought, hey, I may want to try to do this and, and tell us maybe what went through that uh, thought process for you? I always tell the story. I, I've dreamed of playing professional golf since I started playing golf. I, I just, I fell in love with the game and I just knew that I wanted to, you know, give myself an opportunity to play the LPGA tour and to win majors. And that was what was my driving force, um, even through junior golf and 
in college golf. And I felt like I was having a good enough career at Georgia that I, I could probably do that. And um, I don't know if a lot of people know this, Jim, but I, you know, I got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and that was kind of the end of my, I played a little bit on the Symmetra tour. Um, I played in the U S open. Um, but when I got diagnosed with rheumatoid, it was kind of like, there's, it's pretty tough to, to have an autoimmune disease that impacts the joints and play the game that we love. And um, that's kind of how I, you know, fell into coaching. You mentioned uh, the arthritis. I remember my uh, roommate from college, John Hamrick, had the same thing. And, you know, we just thought, you know, man, he's waking up, his feet were on fire. We just couldn't believe that anyone could be in that much pain. Watched how his hands swelled. And, you know, guys can be pretty tough on on each other. But we were just like, man, it's just like he's, you know, 20 years old. He can't even get out of bed. And I just can't imagine, uh, you know, going through that and being injured. But, uh, you know, who got you – Maybe that first start, who gave you your first chance? And, and uh, you know, when did you start thinking about getting into coaching? And how did you get into coaching? So I uh, get diagnosed with, with rheumatoid, and I'm like, well, I'm probably not going to play anymore. So um, fortunately, I was so lucky. I guess timing, as they say, is everything sometimes in relationships. And um, Kelly Hester, was, who's now at Clemson, um, was the head coach here at Arkansas. She just left UNLV and came to Arkansas. They didn't have a, an assistant coaching position. Um, and having been my assistant coach at Georgia, she knew that I really still wanted to play, but probably wasn't going to be able to do that. So she said, hey, why don't you pack your stuff up, come to Fayetteville, Arkansas from South Carolina, and um, you know, help me you know, rebuild this golf program here. And um, best decision I ever made in my life was when I packed my, packed my car up and I got a U-Haul trailer and I drove West and I thought I'd be here for about a minute. And, uh, 20 years later, here I am. And it's been, you know, I, I worked for Kelly for five years here, um, helping her rebuild this program. And, um, you know, it's, it was a really amazing opportunity that Kelly gave me to, to get into coaching at such a kind of a, you know, a big power five school and, to be able to kind of start my career here and um, really lucky that she, her and I had such a long relationship. She trusted me and gave me a lot of responsibility and um, I'm, you know, forever indebted to Kelly for um, giving me the, you know, kind of my start in coaching. And um, so, yeah, she, we were, I'll never forget this, Jim. We were doing a summer camp and we got a text message on our phone that said, you know, the Georgia job was, was open and I knew immediately I knew what Kelly was going to do that's home for her and um so that was uh kind of how it happened she she got the Georgia job and they told me to hold down the fort here and I walked into our athletic director's office one day and I could tell I, I had you know I'd just come out of the bunker giving bunker lessons and I was a hot mess and dirty and sweaty from summer camp and she said started asking me a bunch of questions and I was like dang I think this might be an interview and before I before I got up from the table, she's like, I couldn't think of a better person to take over this program. And lo and behold, there I was. I got the head job. You mentioned Kelly Hester. Uh, you know, she was your assistant, then you were an assistant under her. But what did she teach you? What's some of the things you took from her and that you use today? And what's some of the biggest factors and, and influence she had on your, uh, your coaching now? You know, she taught me so much. She was such a great uh, I, what she let me learn how to do all of the, the stuff behind the scenes, just the, the organizing. She's extremely organized. She's extremely thoughtful. 
Um, I, lo- I learned a lot about how to communicate with, with players when there was adversity, just watching her handle those moments where I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know what I'd say in this spot, but to watch her take time and really think through her words, um, that, was, that was awesome. She, she does a really good job of caring and loving her players. And I think that's, you know, I, I really, I know that that's one of the roots of a great program is, is to lead with your heart and love. And, and I, I learned a lot of that from her. And, um, you know, during that time she had BB, her little girl, and she went on maternity leave. So she, she trusted me to, you know, take the team and, and lead them and, and help them with practices. And just the, the experiences that she provided me um, helped definitely prepare me for, for being a head coach. Let's talk about the young lady that uh, for the Woodlands that you all started to recruit, uh, uh, Stacy Lewis, uh, back then years ago when you were the assistant and, and you and Kelly. But, uh, you know, she came in and had a back injury and a surgery. And I'm reading where you spent a lot of time with her uh, on the putting green. You've had a great relationship and been friends ever since. She's a great supporter of the program. You know, what was it like, uh, you know, coaching uh, Stacy Lewis and, and some of the things she went through? Um, I think, first of all, um, Kelly did such a great job of honoring her scholarship to come here, um, knowing that she was going to have this you know, major back surgery and not knowing if she would ever play golf again, to be quite honest. And uh, I think that just says a lot about Kelly. And then obviously when she gets here, um, you know, as the assistant coach, you know, we got a kid that can't lift her backpack and she can only putt a little bit. And so Kelly's like, hey, Shauna, you go help Stacy and you know, I got the other girls while we're playing. So Stacey and I got to spend a lot of time together. And at that time, Stacey's much different now, but she's super quiet, kind of introverted, didn't say a whole lot, but she said a lot to me. And we got to spend a ton of time together and we just built a lot of trust and I would push her really hard and um, teach her cool, neat stuff around the greens. And, and that was pretty much all we could do the first year. So from that, our, our friendship grew, and, you know, obviously at that time it was more of a player-coach relationship, but I think that's why we're still close today is because, um, you know, we're always there for each other. Um, after having the program going in a pretty good positive direction, but what were some of your goals maybe that first year or two uh, uh, and seeing where the direction you wanted the program to go? You know, I was, I'm highly competitive. I still am today. I want to win more than anybody, and I was just – you know, driven to keep moving this program forward. Um, Kelly and I made amazing strides, you know, you know, we were kind of at the bottom of the SEC when, when Kelly took over and just, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day and you got to do it the right way. And the right way means, you know, you gotta, you gotta shift the mindset. You gotta show them that you care. I would never ask my team to do something that I wasn't willing to do myself and, you know, just get in the trenches with them and, and provide a, a culture of connection and then teach them how to, you know, build their toolbox with different shots. And, and I think being a player, that's been really helpful because I can still hit shots and still show them things. And I think that just, you know, gathers respect. So then they listen more and, you know, it's, it's a process. And I just, I really wanted to do it right and get the right people in here um, to be a part of the Razorback family and recruiting is, is everything and just trying to find the right fit. And it's not always a, about a ranking for me. It's about, are you a good human first? And then I feel so confident that Mike and I can help a young woman, you know, move their golf game even further. And um, just that's been kind of the recipe that we've used. And, you know, I, I want to win SEC championships and national titles and, and, 
it's hard to do and you got to put together the you got to have some luck you got to have the right people you know you got to have the right culture and we're blessed to have great facilities here and you know we just keep we just our goal is win the day and if we do that we'll we'll have a lot of opportunities to hold trophies Another thing I'd like to ask my guests uh, that have played at the top level and, and coached at the top level and, and seen these great players, but what separates that elite player like a Gabby Lopez or a uh, Stacey Lewis or a Maria Fossey, and now you have Brooke Matthews? What separates those players from the rest and makes them elite? Uh, uh, I always thought it was that inner drive and that determination to be great and, and to be best, to go that extra mile, to do something special. But what's your definition of what makes an elite athlete or an elite golfer an elite golfer? I think grit, grit is a big piece of that. But uh, I will say this, that those young ladies that you just mentioned, your Stacey Lewis, your Gabby Lopez, they used every single resource that was provided for them here during their time at the University of Arkansas. And that's from like trainers to dietitian to sports psychology to, I mean, just the little things that um, sometimes we don't, you know, we don't invest in well enough. We just think we need to go dig it out of the dirt, but you know, it's, it's using all of those little resources. And then you add work ethic. I mean, Gabby Lopez and Stacey Lewis are two of the hardest workers I've ever coached in my life. And to, to sometimes a default, a fault of theirs where it's like, Hey, you guys need to go home. Um, and then they just have this, they, they love the game and you have this grit that you just can't teach somebody. Um, and, you know, Stacey Lewis, she is just an absolute magician on the golf course as far as managing the golf course. I watched her and Fossey play yesterday and it's, I mean, there's 50, 60 yards of distance off the tee, but Stacy is so tactical and puts the ball in the right places to give herself the best chance to score. And she was an absolute wizard at that, even at the college level. Yeah, I think that's what when they asked about Stacy being a vice captain for Solheim this, you know, a couple of weeks ago. It's that's what she brought to the table: management. It's not, you know, she doesn't play the game that some of the younger players where they're hitting it 280, 290, whatever they're hitting it. She manages herself around the golf course, and I think that's there's a lot to be said about that. That's what makes elite players elite. They think their way around. I think Maria's going to figure that out because I'm telling you, I got to hold a call 17, and I love the kid. I just love watching her passion, and she, she walks up with all those kids. I mean, I just had to sit back and let it play. It wasn't anything I was going to say. The pictures pretty much said uh, she gets it. She has it. Uh, and I think it's just fun to watch somebody like her. And I know you had a blast coaching her, and, and I think her future's bright as well. Oh, my gosh. I mean, she has the heart of gold. I mean, she, you know, the Fosse's friends um, is something that she is extremely passionate about. And, you know, to, as a coach, to watch her walk up 17 this weekend as well with his kids behind her. And then we – we helped her do her clinic on Thursday and to watch, you know, the kids, you know, fussy bombs, fussy bombs, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, uh, she, she is charged and excited by, um, kids that, you know, and trying to help them be better. And, um, she's just a, we, we teach a lot in our program, giving is getting, and, um, she's a, a huge example of, of giving back and wanting to leave the game better than she found it. We mentioned Gabby, Stacy, Maria, but what has the influence been having them on the teams when it goes out to recruiting? Because now for you and every coach, it's a worldwide uh, process because there's so many great players around this world. Yeah, you know, it's when when they're in school, you know, they, they, they've all had great experiences here. And I think when, when you have a great experience, you share and you can see that. And, 
you know, I would say Stacey Lewis put Arkansas women's golf on the map, but there's people like Gabby Lopez and, and Maria Fossey and Alana Urell who's out there that have yep. continued to um, show their pride in being a Razorback. I mean, they're all, they all have Razorbacks on their bag. They, you know, this week was special. We had seven Razorbacks in the LPGA field. I mean, that's just, uh, you just can't, you can't place a value on that. And that's really why we work hard to create a culture here that people love to be a part of. And I think when you have a great experience, you want to share it with people you care about. And, you know, that fortunately for us, that spills into recruiting and, you know, who doesn't want to be a Stacey Lewis or a Maria Fossey or Gabby Lopez. I mean, they're incredible humans that play the game at a high level. And uh, we're, we're just so lucky and blessed that they're Razorbacks. You mentioned a Walmart Northwest Arkansas Championship. I, I sound like I'm still doing TV today, uh, <laughs> but it uh, uh, I mean, that's a big plus because y'all get an exemption, and then they let the players go and try to Monday qualify. You you usually have at least one, two, maybe even three current players playing. That's got to be a great recruiting tool as well. Yeah, you know, in recruiting, you look for separators, and I think that's like maybe the greatest example for us is that we've worked really hard to create a relationship with the event, and that means doing stuff a year in advance to help and like giving back and doing clinics. And um, we, we do a thing called uh, road to the Northwest Arkansas championship. So we, um, we create a criteria and it's basically the girls have to learn how to do a resume and they get it updated and, and they update it every year. They also have to learn how to write a cover letter. So like a, or a sponsorship request letter of, Hey, I'm Shauna Taylor. You know, this is what I've done and I would love the opportunity to compete in, the Walmart Northwest Arkansas championship field. And so when they do those things and they're, they're in good academic standing, then you go to the fourth criteria, which is the golf stat ranking. Mm-hmm. And our best player in the golf stat ranking that's done the academics, the resume and the cover letter um, automatically gets the sponsor's exemption. And we wanted to create, you know, a way to help build them off the golf course, but also give them an opportunity that, you know, of a lifetime to play with the best players in the world. And, We've just been lucky that that's kind of evolved. We've done, we get, there's three amateur spots in the Monday qualifier. We've been lucky to be able to get those. And I mean, it's, if you, if you come to Arkansas, then you're going to have an opportunity to play an LPGA event if you do, if you do the right thing and work hard. That's so cool because, uh, you know, and every player or every young junior has that dream of playing. And I mean, the, the, the ideas of even writing letters anymore. To people is almost gone because that's part of I mean it really is I mean I did it for and you know what I did and I'm not bragging on myself but for years I wrote a thank you note to every tournament and, and mm-hmm. it was just like not because I was trying to get anything out of it it was the right thing to do my dad taught me that and it's like you're teaching these young ladies it's the process of doing those things because it means something you write a note to a a CEO of a you know the company who sponsors the tournament or a big booster or whatever you don't know whether you play professional golf or just have a job in life. It's the right thing to do, and it, it will pay dividends just because people just love that kind of stuff, that contact with with uh, people that they've done things because they love helping people. But what are you looking for in a player when you're out recruiting? And you're, this is for the advice for the kids listening, their parents listening. What are you looking for uh, in a junior player when you're out there recruiting? I'm looking, I think I said it earlier, I'm looking for a good human, a good person first. Um, And then obviously golf, uh, you know, golf is what it is. It's like, you know, somebody that's pretty technically sound. Um, I love looking at, um, obviously academics is a big piece of it. I love looking at, you know, post-shot responses. I love looking at, you know, how they interact, you know, 
on the golf course with their playing partners and their parents. I'm looking at, you know, what can I give this young woman? What tools can I provide her to help her elevate her game? Has she played her best golf yet? Um, you know, all of those things um, are such a huge key to, you know, trying to, to figure out if, if, if that young woman's going to make a good Razorback. And, you know, just watching their grit, I, you know, when they're playing bad, I don't know what we always say, when they play bad, you learn the most, right? Everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. Butterflies and unicorns when you're four under. But, you know, what does it look like when you're struggling and you're shooting 78 or 80? I mean, that's, that's part of what we do. You're going to shoot 78. I mean, you just are. Mm-hmm. And, and how do you handle that? And I think it, it says a lot about who you are. And, you know, that's that's been a big piece of we, – we, we love links here at Arkansas, too. Not to say that everybody hits – but we are – we hit it pretty far. I think that's mm-hmm. something that we, that we tend to look at sometimes, too, um, because sometimes you can't move, move the links needle too much in four years. You can try. But if you can come in and bomb it, we can teach you how to manage that too. So there's a lot yeah. of pieces to a recipe um, that we're looking for. And um, I love people coming on visits, get to see them, asking questions. Zoom recruiting was hard for me because I couldn't see the body language. I like to kind of hug people and talk to them and see their face. And mm-hmm. um, so I'm glad that we're back in person and we can, you know, have people on campus and, and really get to know people. That had to be tough. I've talked to, I've had, I don't know, 10, 15 coaches on, more, longer than, more than that probably since COVID hit because I started doing this podcast this almost uh, two full years. And, and they said that. It was so difficult because you're so used to being there and seeing people and having that interaction. And now you got a mask on or you can't even recruit. Uh, that had to be so difficult. And some coaches, and they recruit better over the Zoom call than they do in person. And that's a challenge, but it is. It is it had to feel a little weird, didn't it, to go back out this summer and back to coaching? I mean, I say that in a funny way, but the coaches all said it was weird. You know, kind of different from what they've had the last year. So. It was. You know, you set up a Zoom call and you wanted you're doing a presentation on your school, and you know, you just it's really hard to get a feel um, for someone's personality sometimes. And are they, yeah. you know, are they, you know, are, are they fidgety? What's their body language look like? I'm always looking at those things when I'm you know, doing visits and tours and, you know, throwing them curveballs with questions and stuff. But to do it over Zoom was really hard. But I think, uh, you know, you just had to make the best of it like anybody else. But absolutely being back in person um, is so awesome. Oh, I can't imagine because that's, that's like my little two-year-old, four-year-old grandsons and they're going to school and they haven't seen their teacher. My four-year-old hadn't seen his teacher's face in a year and a half. Yeah. I know. You know. It's just like, it's so weird. And, you know, you, you, you've gone through that. But you've got another good team again, Brooke Matthews. Let's just talk about her. Uh, I watched her at the USAM. She had uh, Rachel Heck mm-hmm. had her down. Looked like she's going to win. Let her get away. And I felt so sorry for her. Goes to the Curtis Cup, one, one, and one. And then I've been to Yeamans Hall. <laughs> I've watched enough golf. 25 under. That's sick. That's crazy. Yeah. 63, 64 in the same day. Yeah. And, that had to be some of the best golf you've ever seen. Um, absolutely. I think I've, I've said it a bunch since we've been back. By far, I've seen Stacey Lewis win a major at St. Andrews. I mean, I've seen some amazing golf, played yeah. amazing golf myself, but the best three days of golf I've ever seen. I think we always are like, it's hard to follow up a 63, and then to follow it up with a 64, and then to do it again the next day with a 64 was unbelievable. You know, she missed three greens. She only made two putts over 20 feet. Her ball hitting was, like, off the charts amazing. And um, I think people think she just made a ton of bombs, but she didn't. No. She, so many, like, four-footers. Uh, 
she has a lot of length, so she could get to the par five. So she had a lot of, you know, two putt birdies. Um, so she just, it was, I was lucky. I was at the back of the lineup helping, you know, like one, two, three for us. And I got to see a lot of it. And I was like, funny people would text me and go, is golf that right? <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I swear I've seen it. Go, birdie, 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 birdie is right. So it, it was, uh, what a special week for her to break the NCAA record by, I think six shots. Um, yeah. You know, it's Brooks been, uh, she's another great um, example of, I think, what we're, what we've been able to do here at Arkansas, you know, never got on the bus her first year she played for us, really struggled. Now she was on the team with Maria Fossey and, and that tough right. group, but she did have great people to look up to. I think she learned a lot. I know it was hard for her to have to, you know, that first year to sit at home, but um, it motivated her. Um, you know, I always tell people when you come to Arkansas, you're choosing hard. It's not going to be easy, but we're going to mm-hmm. push you to get the best out of you. And Brooke has, you know, used her resources. She loves playing. She loves the game. And um, she's gotten smarter. She's learning not to, we call it laser lazy. She doesn't just pop the flagstick and, and yeah. you know, hit it at every flagstick. So she's learned how to do that around the golf course and play to her strengths. And um, it was an awesome you know, awesome week to watch her in Charleston do that. And then, you know, this week um, she had, you know, made the cut the LPGA event. She's, I mean, she's, uh, she's amazing. She did herself proud. That's for sure. What do you tell a young lady like Brooke? I mean, or any kid that wants to play and they're sitting out, they're missing qualifying by a shot or two. I mean, I know you have to encourage them, but you've got 10 or 12 other players as well. But what do you tell a kid like that? You know, they've got the potential. How do you kind of keep them? I mean, motivation is one thing, but how, what do you tell them when they're struggling in times like that? Well, I think, you know, like anything else, we want things to happen fast. And, you know, we're mm-hmm. coming from a world nowadays where everything's kind of at the click of click of a button. And honestly, that's not real. That's not real life. And I think, you know, um, struggle and, and hardship teaches you so much. I think that's more like real life. And when, you know, maybe you're not getting on the bus, you know, I love to see, are you going to work harder? Or do you want to go someplace else where it's going to be easy? And, yeah. you know, easy is easy, but hard is hard. And I think that's where you just have to keep them focused on the long-term goal and the development and the process of that. I mean, it, it takes a while to do great things and it takes learning and growing. And it's, uh, you know, you just have to kind of stick your nose to the grinder and keep going. And that's where we just, you know, we, we talk to our players a lot. You know, like I said, when you come here, it's going to be hard, but you're going to walk away a better person, a better student, and a better golfer. And the long-term success will be worth the short-term toughness. Yeah, and you mentioned tough. And I uh, played the blessings, I'm going to say it was seven years ago when it, before they redid everything, and I was like, wow. My little game wasn't ready, and I wasn't playing a lot, but I got lucky and got to play last week, and I love the changes. Tell us a little about your facility, and, and it's hosted an NCAA, an SEC, and it's got now the Blessings Collegiate Invitational. Tell us a little about the facility and, and how special it is to have a place like that to practice out of. Yeah, you know, I always, I, I always talk about it in the sense that a lot of people have a nice building and maybe a practice area. Um, mm-hmm. Or a lot of people have a good golf course um, and maybe not the greatest, you know, place to train around a building. But I feel like here we have both. And we're four miles from campus. You know, we have a gym out here. We have an indoor designed by Dave Pels. We have, you know, air-conditioned heated hitting bays. And then we have bent and Bermuda greens. We have – we just built a big 
18,000 square foot putting green up on the hill or we can work on our short game. And um, I just feel like it's a one-stop shop to, to develop your game and doing that, you know, in the gym, but also on the golf course and the variety that we're able to create is a game changer. I mean, our practices are awesome. We don't ever do the same thing twice, hardly, you know, and then to have Mm -hmm. access to a championship golf course where we have about 150 members out here at Blessings, we play a lot of the rounds out here and just to be able to grab a, go play three or four holes when you want to on a Saturday morning at nine o'clock is doesn't happen a lot. Mm-mm. And, no, and you know, to be, in, to be on campus in seven minutes. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I think that's exactly why I stayed here and it's become my home and I love this place. And we've just been provided the resources to, you know, pour into our young people and, it's uh, it's been amazing. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that close. That is close. That because uh, there's some schools have to drive 30 minutes mm-hmm. just to get to their facility, and that's a that's a that's a tough go. But the blessings uh, hosting the tournament next week, or when, when this podcast comes out, it'll be this uh, when this comes out because this podcast will come out the same week of. Uh, what can the players look for, and uh, what are you looking forward to uh, during the week? Well, it's it's always great to showcase our home and to bring you know teams in here and, and have a um, a high level, you know, regular season event and to be on TV, you know, we yeah. get three hours of coverage Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on the October 4th through the 6th. Um, it's, it's incredible. And it really, I think another way that we can prepare our players is, you know, you're going to play on TV. That's what the LPGA looks like. And just being able to be comfortable with, with that, I think is a, is a great opportunity for the players that come here, but you know, they'll be tested. You know, the blessings will, uh, you will be exposed if you have a weakness. And I think that's, you know, that's what we need is, you know, great opportunities to play on a championship golf course on TV. I, I don't think it gets any better. Do you do anything special? Because I talked to a few coaches because they knew the, the players had never played in front of cameras. They actually brought their school cameras out there to kind of prepare them for that. Uh, of course, your team's been on it a bunch. They're used to that. But uh, how much does it help to have the Golf Channel in, in promoting you know college golf the way it has? And that's got to be a big plus for it as well. Oh, I think you know it's it's so awesome to you know have have us on TV at the college level. I think we. We're going to be on TV, I think, three times in the regular season this year. So yeah. um, I just, I think, what a great, great opportunity to learn to manage yourself and to hit when the lights are, are bright and shining on you and be able to execute and see yourself pull that off. I mean, I think, you know, college golf is the future of the PGA and the LPGA tours, and I, I really do believe that. And I think, you know, you think of the national championship that was here. I mean, you have Victor Hovland. I mean, the dude is, yeah. uh, uh, you know, a European – Ryder Cup guy. I mean, you just have yeah. these incredible players that have that have come through our colleges and our programs. That um, they're the future stars of, you know, of the tour. And I mean, it's awesome that they get to see them before they get there. You've got a facility that share with the men. What can the men learn from the women, and the women learn from the men? Uh, do you guys hang out together? Because usually it's tough. Because some some people may you know you all may have to practice in the mornings and them in the afternoons. But what can you learn from each other and spending time together, uh, kind of in the same boat for athletes? Because that's golf's kind of different. We all don't look like a bunch of linebackers or six foot ten you know basketball players. Man, uh, how important is it to have the team, both the men and the women, being really good and sharing time together? I think it's incredible. You know, Brad and I have a really great relationship and 
anytime we can get our teams together to we'll, we'll go over and do a little match play deal over at the par three because you give us all wedges we're pretty equal uh, but mm-hmm. the guys can do stuff with a golf ball like with short game and having speed that you know girls can i think for the girls just to see that and to watch them hit shots is awesome but i think for them we drive it pretty straight i mean we're not you know we're not having to you know guys have a lot more speed so get a little more offline probably more than the girls do and I think they, they're fascinated by how we don't hit it in trouble a lot. And that's what I hear our guys say, like, you guys hit it so straight. And, you know, just yeah. to be able to do that and see that and, and share it together, um, you know, we can learn so much from, you know, Brad's team as well as I think that they can learn so much from us. And, you know, we, we pick up drills from each other. I'm like, oh, I like that mm. one. Or, you know, how did you set that one up the other day? I think just helping each other, um, you know, we are a family here and, we share everything together with our men's team, and um, I think we we all learn from each other. Well, that's a, that's a great way to end the podcast. We used to tell Kathleen to go watch Sam Burns hit balls. You may not <laughs> ever hit it like him, but it would be a good person to watch. But uh, she goes, "Why?" I said, "Just watch him hit it." I mean, he hits it better than your dad does. Now you were too young to see how I used to hit it, and the, they're just so athletic and so good. These players today, it's it's a lot of fun for me to get to cover them. But I can't thank you enough for spending time with us. I always like to finish the podcast, whether life or golf. You may have only one shot. you got to make it count. That's the name of the podcast, Only One Shot. We appreciate everybody listening. And we appreciate you, and I appreciate the friendship. Uh, and uh, not making too much fun of my Tennessee bag when I was there. But good luck during the blessings and uh, the rest of the year, Shauna. Hey, thanks, Jim. I really appreciate you having us on. And uh, let us know when we can get back out here with that orange bag. All right. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it. <laughs>